You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus, who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. A big victory Monday here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center as the Seahawks take down the division rival Rams 27-23, snapping that losing streak. But it's been a couple weeks, so we're excited to get our guy back on. It's Big Ray Roberts in the trenches. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, man, it was not the prettiest game, but it was a victory on the road and a much-needed one at that. Did this game finally silence any of that talk that Geno Smith still needed to check off that one box, that, you know, not being able to get things done in the clutch against the Raiders? Did that finally end all that nonsense and, you know, kind of check off the last box for Geno Smith? Well, I hope it does. I mean, because if you look at, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit in the post game is that, uh, there have been times where he has given the, the, the team the lead late in the game, and then the defense gave up more points or whatever. So then it looks like, hey, he can't come through in the clutch. you know. But, but the dude, this whole season has been clutch for him. He's playing out of his mind, unlike any of us would have thought. Maybe I'm sure he's never, he doesn't feel that way. But uh, it was cool to see him be so cool, calm, and collected given all the other circumstances that were happening, all the injuries and the backfield that were hurt, that, that was happening, the fact that he had to, you know, they had to rely on him and his arm and, and, the, and the passing game to get that win. And so just the, the way he went down the field in that final drive was pretty awesome. And even just the calm and confidence that he threw the touchdown pass to uh, DK speaks a lot, speaks volumes to his ability to, be, to, to remain calm in those situations and then come through with a play that can seal the victory for the Seahawks. Now, Gino definitely has confidence. Like, I'm not, that's an obvious thing. He carries himself. So you can tell, like, everything you just said. But what do you think this win did for him personally? Because, you know, still, you know, kind of eliminating some of those naysayers. And, and though he has the confidence and we've seen it all year, how big do you think this was for him? Well, you know, sometimes as when you, like, uh, you, you, you try to portray to everyone that you have supreme confidence in yourself. But then sometimes there's just something like in the back of your head where you go like, man, but I just need this one little thing to kind of validate myself. And so, you know, I've never really followed Gino's whole career, but just knowing, you know, how it ended in the different places and it just seemed like people had written him off, it had to feel good in that moment for him to prove to himself that with the absolute game on the line, clock running out, injuries all all over the place, uh, a team that was playing you better than you thought they were going to play you, and then you just came through in supreme fashion. That has to give you uh, just a, a boost of like, um, like uh, not like I've arrived, but yes, I can do this. I can remember my rookie year, uh, the, the second half of the season, you know, playing against some really good players like Derek Thomas and, and uh, even you know, Lawrence Taylor at the end of his career. But being able to hold some of those dudes without sacks just kind of let me know, okay, like, I knew I could do it, but but now I'm showing it on film that I could do it, and I'm proving it to some of the better players in the history of this league that I can that I can roll with them in the game. And so that that self validation has to come uh, from a drive like that. 
Hey, Big Ray. So obviously, Geno Smith has confidence and gained even more confidence with that final drive. But we did lose Ken Walker. We're not sure for how long we lost him. How confident are you in the run game if Ken Walker is not available? Well, I'll put it this way, Big Mike. I don't know about my confidence level because I don't know who's going to be back there. But every offensive lineman's dream is to be put in this situation, right? So we're every game is a playoff game situation. Pass protection is going to be critical because that's going to be where you're going to lean the most on uh, to, to win games. And then you have to come up with a way to create lanes for who, you know, whoever they put it running back to gain yards to keep the running game respectable. And that is a challenge that should land squarely on the shoulders of this offensive line. And I hope that they're up for the challenge. I hope that they even look at it and think about it that way, that really, truly, like you always say that the game comes down to who wins the trenches, but for the Seahawks to go where they want to go, the offensive line is going to have to deliver them to it. And and that's by protecting Geno so he can get to the, to the receivers with uh, the way DK and, and Tyler are playing. And then whoever they put in at running back, whether it's a serviceable person, per- serviceable person, or somebody they get off the waiver wire that has a history of of having some big games, they have to put it on their shoulders to create space for that person to gain yardage. And so, to me, like I'm, a, I I would be excited as an offensive lineman because it's like that's where you want it. You want to be able to uh, dictate and determine what happens, and they really truly get a chance to do that. Yeah, Ray, I think you're right. It's It really comes down to that offensive line, right? You can put guys back there. Obviously, Ken Walker gives you the the most opportunity to have big runs. Uh, what'd you see out of Tony, though, man? I was rooting for that dude. Anybody who is a number two or three undrafted free agent, um, I'm rooting for him. What'd you see out of Tony back there? Well, you know, to me, for, you know, I think in the post game he said he had a few reps with the first team, but for him just to have an awareness of, you know, what he was doing and he was, uh, you know, he, he hit the holes hard. You know, he's trying to get the yardage that was there. He looks like a, a guy that can that can get it done. Sometimes, you know, those dudes are just kind of stuck behind some, some guys that come in with bigger reputations and things. So, you know, if he's came out of the game unscathed and has a chance to work the full week with the first team, I mean, shoot, the, he looks explosive. He looks pretty thick for a guy, you know, that runs hard and all that kind of stuff. I, I think they want to use him in the passing game as well. So, uh, I remember playing and having backups come in and stuff, and I took pride in uh, helping those dudes kind of get their shine on. So uh, hopefully, you know, that'll happen with the offensive line. And if he has to be the guy that carries the load, uh, that he can come through. And you know, not that he has to be a world beater and rush for 200 yards, but he just has to keep the running game respectable. Ray, on the defensive side, it looks like the Rams were still able to move the ball despite a lot of the injuries they had there. Now, it didn't look like the Rams game, thank God, but I guess my question to you is, do you think that was more about Sean McVay calling a hell of an offensive game plan <laughs> versus the Seahawks not being able to, to slow down some of their uh, their options on offense? Well, I, I really think, you know, Sean McVay did call an amazing game. It just seems like every every play he called, somebody was getting the ball in a ton of space, you know, able to, to make some plays with it. But I think – oh, because of the last, the two previous games, I think the Seahawks were kind of hunkering down to take care of the running game between the tackles because that's where they were getting smashed. And if you take away the uh, the boot uh, yardage that uh, that Wolford made, and then the fly sweeps that you know you know they were kind of anticipating more you know in the box running, then they only rushed for seventy four yards. And and so I think in that regard, 
I thought the defense did kind of what they game plan to do, but then they just were slow to adjust to the fly sweep stuff and to the to the boot stuff. So there is something to feel positive about. Like I said, you know, in order to impact the run game, you have to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So the, the defenders have to get their heels across the offensive line of scrimmage, and then that makes the running back have to make moves in the backfield before he wants to. And so Al Woods was back up to his – you know, standard of like really getting uh, push in the middle. Puna Ford was doing his thing. Uh, but I think they just kind of got yardage on those outside runs that I, I don't think the Seahawks were kind of uh, planned for. They plan for more of that in-the-box running. And when you look at that, I thought they did a pretty good job. Ray, uh, we all know that you like some run game, man. You said it allows linemen to get downhill. They did not come to pass pro, even though they do that. Uh, but what is it like getting to pass pro? When you got two receivers going off, man, DK 128, uh, Tyler Lockett 127. As a as a lineman, when you lose your number one running back and you know you're going to have to lean on the pass, how does that shift your mentality? Well, I'm not going to lie. The, the thing I love about receivers, and it's a love-hate kind of a thing, is that when they're, when they're on fire, they talk the most trash. And uh, and that really gets you fired up as an offensive lineman. Like when you're when you know when DK went in motion and was calling Ramsey to come with him, like that kind of stuff. Like those types of things kind of get me fired up. And then you, I've played with offensive with receivers that will start fights and then run behind the offensive line to kind of finish the fight. <laughs> well, DK starts them and finishes them. So like it that that creates a whole lot of energy on the sidelines just because he brings like that mentality uh, to it. And so uh, it's you take pride in, you know, obviously protecting the quarterback because, you know, if you think about it, the offensive line is the only position in all the sports where your your primary job is to protect people, you know, and so you take pride in protecting Gino. Yeah, we gave up some sacks. I think a couple of them may have been Gino where he kind of held the ball a little bit or he tried to scramble a little bit. But, uh, but also, too, you know, these young dudes are adjusting to people having a lot of film on them now and understanding how to rush them and where their weaknesses and things are. So it'll be up to them to, to remain professional, get back in the film room, do some self-scouting, do some you know extra scouting on the guys they're playing against and look at how people have been attacking them and then come out and finish the season strong. All right, all right, Big Ray. We appreciate you hopping on with us in the big Seahawks victory against the Rams, 27-23. Ray, you can hear him on the huddle every Thursday. You can obviously hear him on the pre- and post-game show, Michael Bumpus, and the rest of the Seahawks legends. Ray, appreciate you hopping on with us. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Ray. All right, all right. Now, Bump, you'd be one of those receivers, though, man. I'm telling you something. You'd get in there. You'd squabble (laughs) up, you know what I'm saying? You, You would start a fight and run away, right? Hey, no, I'm in the mix. If I started, I'm going to be there for the duration. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into what had happened. See, what had happened at first was. What happened was. What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. Hawk's back in the win column, like we said, after a hard-fought battle with the Rams. The Rams were banged up. This was a game we felt the Seahawks absolutely needed to win. We essentially said there wasn't an excuse to get this done just because who the Seahawks have on their side versus who the Rams had on their side. But let me tell you something, Bob. No one told the Rams that. Uh, they and it was ready. They came it was out ready hot. to go. There's a reason Sean McVay is a good football <laughs> coach, man. They came out ready to rock. John Wolford got the start at QB as they were down uh, Matthew Stafford. Opened up a 10-play, 77-yard drive, ending with a Cam Akers touchdown as the Rams jumped out to that 7-0 lead. And I was like, okay. Didn't really feel great about how that start went and how easy it felt. 
But our guy Gino Bump always comes back and responds. Yeah, he, he seems to never let us down when it comes to the response, man. They go six plays, 75 yards, and Tyler Lockett would cap it off with a 36-yard touchdown. Nice little deep crossing route, getting behind the middle linebacker, Mr. 4-5, and that tied the game up at seven. After rounds field goal and two punts, the Seahawks offense will go on another drive. 11 plays, 91 yards. It found Noah Fan in the back of the end zone on a little corner route for a four-yard touchdown. That made the score 14-10. Then the Rams would tack on a field goal, making it 14-13 at halftime. Yeah, so again, the game is closer than you thought it'd be, but you still feel like the Seahawks are in control. They would add another field goal in the third quarter coming out of the half. And then Bobby Wagner, who I'll say it, had himself a day. A day. Got an interception of Geno Smith. This was kind of questionable. I thought it was pretty clear as day that Jones Jr., Caught the ball and was down before Bobby ripped it away. But, hey, in the box score, it goes down as interception. Bobby Wagner also had two sacks. So he was having himself a day. That helped the Rams get a field goal and close the gap to 17-16 to 16 early in the fourth quarter. The Hawks would answer with an 11-play, 67-yard drive, but stalled out in the red zone, once again settling for a Jason Myers field goal. Jason Myers has been absolute nails this year, by the way. That made the score 20-16 to 16 bump, and that's when things got a little dicey. What happened? Yeah, Wolford, man, he doesn't – I give him this, man. He's got some moxie to him. Yeah, he, he was running. He was scrambling. He was making plays, and he let this team down the field on nine-play, 75-yard drive. And Cam Akers, who wasn't even on the team, that had philosophy differences with uh, Sean McVay is all of a sudden one of their go-to guys. Um, He would score a touchdown, and the Rams would take the lead 23-20 to with 2.56 on the clock, and then it was time for Geno's moment. We're watching this. We're saying, all right, how's he going to handle it? We need to score points right here. You know what he does? 10 plays, 75 yards. He found Tyler Lockett on a third and 10 to keep the drive going. Then he hits Marquise Goodwin on a second and five, picks up 17 yards there. And then we're down inside the 10-yard line. You got DK isolated on one side of the formation, and you're saying, all right, let's get it. Going up against Jalen Ramsey, finds DK for that touchdown, and it was like I felt pressure release off of me. I can only imagine how Geno felt. Oh, my goodness. We were so nervous up there waiting and watching, not sure what to do with ourselves, especially when it came to that third and 10, but found Mr. Reliable, Tyler Lockett, always getting the job done. And Gino knew he could do this. He's one of the most confident dudes I've ever seen in, in, in his ability and in confident in himself as a person and as a football player. So he knew he could do it, but it was just good for everyone else to kind of see that. And so we kind of stopped talking about that. Check that box. Gino's the man. He's doing, doing it all. Cody Barton would come in, get a little – Game ceiling, game was ready over, but a nice little interception to have that stat sheet and a Seahawk victory. But bump, there was a lot of dudes making plays, playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. What time it is? Holy captain! Geno Smith, the guy we're just talking about. 28 of 39, 367 yards, three touchdowns. One interception. This was Geno's fourth game passing over 300 yards this season. And his 367 yards was a career high. Geno also set a single season career high in passing yards with 3,169. Geno Smith is doing it all, Bump. He's doing it all every week. It feels like he's doing something different in the record books. And it's just he's just doing everything. And I'm really impressed by what we've seen from Geno Smith. And he's our leader. 
And he's going to lead us to that promised land bump. Yeah, man. Geno's breaking records and leading the NFL in a whole bunch of categories, man. I love to see it. And the guys who helped him out this week, I'm going to put these two together. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, man. DK had eight receptions on eight targets for 127 in the game-winning touchdown. Tyler Lockett, he had nine for 128 in one touchdown. He's got 18 career 100-yard games. That's third most in franchise history. I watched the All-22 today, and... He still got a little burst to him, man. Yeah. Like this dude's 30 years old and still has that burst. His touchdown was beautiful. Like I mentioned, a deep cross. You make one guy miss, make another guy miss, you get in the end zone. Gino relied on these two heavily as he should, and they came through. No question about it. I love to see those two. And it's been a little while since we've seen them go off like that. You know what I'm saying? So really good to see everyone working, you know, on the same team on that offense. Offense still putting up points, still find a way to get 27. They're averaging, I think, coming into the game, they're averaging about that every game, too. So good to see that. And then on defense, our guy, T-Woo, Tariq Woolen, killing the game right now. Seven tackles, three passes defended, one interception. Tariq set the franchise rookie record with his sixth interception of the season. He's also tied with C.J. Gardner-Johnson for the NFL lead in interceptions. And it was really cool to hear him talk about postgame, how he goes back to draft day, and he's thinking, man, all these corners are coming off the board. Everyone's getting picked. And he's thinking about himself like, man, this is embarrassing. I'm not going to get picked. Obviously, we know what happens. The Seahawks picked him. They met with Tariq before that. They liked him a lot, and the rest has been history because Tariq Woolen is already getting that Richard Sherman treatment, and it's only going to get worse because every time people do try him, he makes plays. So he is having a season that no one thought he could have, and he's really showing that he can be a, a shutdown corner in this league. So I love what Tariq's doing. Yeah, big up to T. Wu. These uh, these next guys, the Jenna Nwosu, who on my show today, I had to go off on a dude who called this guy a bust. He mm. called this dude four tackles, two sacks, one CFL, three quarterback hits. I believe he has nine sacks on the year. He called my man a bust. I cut him off so swiftly and hung up the phone on him and said, you are crazy. You must just want some drama. I'm here <laughs> for it. Don't you be talking about Jenna like that. Then he <laughs> talked about Jordan Brooks. Said Jordan Brooks, I don't like him at linebacker. We should have done this and done that. I go, this man is third in the league when it comes to tackles. He had nine tackles, one sack, one TFL, and one quarterback hit. Sometimes, guys, uh, fans just don't know what they're looking at. He disrespected Uchenna and Jordan Brooks. Had to yell at him and hang up the phone. These guys balled out. Let him know, bump. This is not a game. You can't come not out of those dudes. Are you serious right now? Nah, hey, so sincere. <laughs> I, I just if you if you're watching football and you think Uchenna Nwosu isn't playing good ball or Jordan Brooks, I don't know what you're watching. That yeah. that is y'all need to get your eyes checked. <laughs> uh, the last one we'll shout out Cody Barton. He had seven tackles, one interception. He's been playing better and better every week. And bump, let's keep it on the offense now. Flip it over to the wide receiver roundup. A lot of guys catching passes. You love to see a box score that looks like this, bump. Yeah, man. Um, just the the distribution. Right. I love to see it. Kobe Parkinson, uh, tight end. He had a catch for 12 yards on one of those uh, touchdown scoring drives. You had Uncle Will Dissy, who got involved two for 22. Noah Fant had four for 42 and a touchdown. He's quietly having a good season. His, uh, I believe his career high was about 640 yards. He's probably going to pass that this year if he keeps yep. performing the way he has. We talked about Tyler and DK both went for over 120 and a touchdown. Marquise Goodwin had one catch on two targets, a very clutch catch on that second and five on the game winning drive. Has had an opportunity to score a touchdown, but the Rams has made a great play. Gino made a good throw, just couldn't come down with it. Treadwell had a, had a reception, his first as a Seahawk, I want to say. Yep. And then uh, DJ and Kenneth had some targets, but couldn't get it done. But what do, what do we see here? We see receivers, tight ends, 
running backs. Anyone who is eligible, any position eligible to catch a football did exactly that. Exactly what you want to see. Anytime I see 28 receptions, 367 on four on 37 targets, I'll take that any day of the week. 30, 13.1 on average, three touchdowns. That's the kind of roundup you want to see. Now let's go back in that coach's corner talking about these receivers. Geno Smith finds DK Metcalf for the game-winning touchdown. Three receivers right side. DK Metcalf to the left with Jalen Ramsey on him. Geno takes the snap. Four-man rush. Going to half roll. Throws back inside. Reaching up, making a catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. Are you kidding me? It is DK Metcalf. Ramsey was all over him. DK puts those big mitts up and says, that ball is mine. And the Seahawks take the lead, 26-23. What a dart thrown by Geno Smith. Yeah, man, Um, what I like about this play is, one, the formation. You got trips up top. You got Cody Barton. Uh, I believe that's Marquise Goodwin and Tyler Lockett. I mean, not Cody Barton. That's Kobe Parkinson, sorry. Uh, but what Parkinson does He's in a two-point stance. He is there for protection. So when they release, he takes care of the end right there. We got DJ Dallas on the right side of Geno Smith. Nice little play fake. The reason why I love the play fake right here, because it's first and goal. You you feel like, all right, these guys are going to run the football on first down, try to get some yards. This is right after the play, it, directly after um, Marquise Goodwin sets him up. So you got that play fake, bam, going across the left of Geno. And then you have Tyler Lockett just hitting the flat, and you have Marquise Goodwin running a corner route. If you remember, Noah Fant uh, ran a corner later earlier in the game, and they hit him right there. So what that corner does, it pulls the safety with them, and then that corner who's dropping into a zone, it pulls it with them. So now you got a two-for-one right there. That swing kind of bubble look by Tyler Lockett pulls that defender. Now what Geno does to kind of help the situation, he rolls to his right just a little bit. You got DK at the bottom of the screen, one-on-one in a tight formation. Usually when he's tight like that, you expect him to do an outbreaking route. That's why you look at Jalen Ramsey. He's in man, but he has an outside shade. He goes, look, this guy's lined up inside like that. He's going to ha- try to break outside. But what DK does, he gets an inside release, stays vertical and snaps it off in like a, a short post. Geno sliding to the right with that corner route by Goodman going to the right. With the bubble by Lockie going to the right, it opens up space for DK to work combined with the play fake that gets the backers to bite down. And Gino on the run just throws a missile, and it is a contested football. DK comes down with the rock. The safety tries to help out. 14 is too big, too strong. Good guys up. No disagreement with anything you just said. I love it. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned it. He's playing outside leverage. Anytime someone runs away from you, especially a route like that, and a physical guy like Metcalf like that, good luck. And I'll just say this, Bump. I was so excited when I (laughs) saw the film. I'm like, please tell me that was on five. Yup, yes, it was. (laughs) Because those two were going at it all day. We talked about it on the preview podcast. Anytime DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey are on the field, you got to get your popcorn ready. Sunday right. did not disappoint. They were going back and forth. At one point, DK Metcalf motioned across, said, hey, come follow me. And this time it's <laughs> mano y mano, game on the line. Man, that must have felt good for DK. I wish we're not going to get it, but if we ever got a mic'd up version of between those two, it would be something you'd pay for. I just love DK Metcalf balling out. It's been a while since we've seen him and Tyler dominate the same game. And for him to beat Jalen Ramsey, who's still one of the better corners in the league, in that situation, I'm, I'm here for it. Also, what I like is when they're on the field, he's running his mouth, DK and Ramsey. Post game, 
hey, you know, we're just competitors. We, you know, we were going at it, right? He does it the right way. You taught that talk on the field, but you respect your opponent. He knows Jalen Ramsey is a good football player. That's why it's that much more special that he made the play on him. Absolutely. And Bump, it's that time, that formation that we love, victory. Here comes the Seahawks offense onto the field and the Vikings defense trudging out there, knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. The Seahawks really needed this win, ending their two-game losing streak. It wasn't pretty at all times, but the Hawks made the plays they needed to down the stretch. Geno Smith absolutely balled out. Finally got to check the box of game-winning drive under two minutes. All he does is say, set records, prove haters wrong, doesn't write back, does everything the Seahawks need him to do, and he's going to continue to do that. Huge win for the Seahawks now at 7-5. and five. So, yeah, just a big, big win. Yeah, the Hawks, they were banged up, man. DJ Dallas um, was banged up as well. You lose Ken Walker. You got Tony Jones who, uh, who had to hop in there and do their thing. But that's football, man. And we know, if you look at the history of running backs with the Seattle Seahawks, Guys are going to get dinged up. So now we're just waiting to see what Travis Homer looks like, um, what Ken Walker looks like. But the fact that they were able to still be a threat in the run game, even though it wasn't as pretty when it comes to the numbers, they were still a threat. This, uh, If they were not a threat in the run game, that touchdown of DK Metcalf would have been that much more difficult. You saw the way the linebackers respected it. Absolutely. And there's definitely room for improvement on defense, but the Seahawks took a step in the right direction. It did not look like the Raiders game. The Rams still ran for yardage like we talked about earlier in this game, but it definitely looked different. And they were finally able to get pressure, which was great. Four sacks, eight QB hits. The previous two weeks, there had only been one sack. And the win streak, the Seahawks had 19 sacks. So it was really good to see them get back to what made them successful in that four-game win streak. And this was the best outcome when it comes to playing Bobby Wagner for the first time. He was able to ball out, yep. and we were able to get the win. Because we love Bobby Wagner, what he's done for his organization. Um, but he's on the other team now. So it, yep. we got the best of both worlds, right? Bobby had a day, seven tackles, two sacks, three TFLs, a suspect interception, but we're not going to remember it 10 years from now. I'm just going to go down yep. as interception. So um, nice that we got the W. Happy that Bobby balled out. I need him not to play as well when we play him again what, in January or something like that. Yeah, when we see Bobby up here at Lumen Field, it's going to be great. It's going to be a huge standing ovation and all that. But, yeah, if he wants to play not well, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> Y'all, let's get the big win over the Rams, 27-23. They're back at it this week with the Panthers. Me and Bump will be back with you on Wednesday to get you set for that matchup. Huge victory. The Seahawks are 7-5 and five back in that playoff picture. It's exactly what we need. He's Michael Bombas from NASA Chobe. Reminder, you can catch us everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, everything, and more. We'll be back on Wednesday. Until next time, this has been Hawk Talk.